0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Let's Talk Business Mobile podcast. Today is Tuesday, January 14th. The year is 2020. Our guest today is Daniel Neighbors, the owner of Quality Pest Control in Lufkin, Texas. For those of you that don't know, Lufkin, Texas is a rural area in the deep east of Texas. It's about 120 miles north of Houston. Welcome, Daniel, and thank you for joining us today.
1: Yes sir, thank
0: you for having me. You're quite welcome. So, um, how long have you been in the pest control industry and how long have you owned your own business, Quality Pest Control?
1: I started in uh, outside sales with Terminex in 2003. Uh, I was with Terminex from 2003 to 2007, but I actually left for a little bit in between. I was there just under three years. Uh, In the two stints that I worked there, Uh, I left there and actually became a mailman. And uh, I started as a mailman in 2007, which is just before the big uh, economic bust in 2008. And on the the fear that I might lose my job or get laid off, I started quality pest control in October of 2009. So we've actually, last uh, October, we hit our 10-year anniversary. And I, I did leave the post office in 2013 and went full time in pest control. Then
0: it sounds like uh, the the Great Recession was just as good to you as it was to me. I happened to open up in 2008, right as the recession hit, but it uh, it didn't affect my business, and I'm I'm happy to see that you were able to grow through it as well. It takes a special kind of person to do that. Lots of lots of good
1: luck and lots of hard work
0: yeah and I'm sure I'm quite sure that you were happy to get out of the post office.
1: You know I actually I really wanted that job. Uh, I, that was a hard fought job, but I, I spent about two and a half years trying to get that job. and right. I really when I was when I was with Terminx, I was in sales. and of course, anytime you're in a sales position, it, it's a high pressure environment. And I did pretty well for for the area I was in. Um, but I just needed something with less pressure, and I would just have that allure of punching the clock, putting the mail in the box, punching out, and going home. I thought it would be fantastic. I really thought I would retire as a mailman, but there, it just it didn't. the, the dream quickly faded, and so and I'm very happy to be in the position I'm in now.
0: Of course, and and, it, and at least you didn't go postal because we you wouldn't <laughs> be here today. If you did.
1: Right, right, absolutely. <laughs>
0: So um, what, what exactly um, made you take the leap from uh, the post office, um, you know, and going full time into quality?
1: What what had changed? Sure. Well, honestly, the the, the biggest kicker for me was flexibility. Uh, when I started at the post office, I had a, a daughter. She was very young. Uh, she was still a baby or maybe a toddler. And it wasn't that big of a deal. You know, the, the mail runs six days a week. Actually, now, They run seven in some areas. They still deliver Amazon packages on on Sundays. And so when she got to be the age where, you know, she might have a piano recital or something uh, at the post office, you know, that's a tenure position. You know, uh, seniority is everything. And when you're the low man on the totem pole, you don't get any time off. You know, you're basically working every weekend, you know, from until all the mail is out. It doesn't matter how hard you work or how fast you get your job done, you got to go help the slackers. And <laughs> I just realized that there was no flexibility there. It was gonna be a long time before I got to the point to where I actually had a little cloud and could kind of work when I wanted to and take off when I wanted to. And so just honestly, in order to gain that flexibility, uh, I knew I was gonna to have to do something different. And, and truthfully, I've always wanted to work for myself. Now, like most people, I didn't really know what that meant. I thought it meant you come and go as you please and you just make a ton of money and, you know, you've just got all the free time in the world. And that's that's far from the truth. But uh, it is something I've always wanted to do. So being able to uh, to step out and 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 really work for myself was pretty fun. It was a long road to get there. Uh, When I was working at the when I started uh, QPC, uh, Quality Pest Control, it was in 2009. I was having to clock in at the post office around 630 in the morning. And I would carry mail until, you know, anywhere from three o'clock in the afternoon to six in the evening. And I would change clothes in the locker room at the post office and go and do pest control until dark, uh, six days a week. And so uh, I did that for about two and a half, three years before I was able to actually, well, I did have an apprentice helping me a little bit. But uh, for the most part, I did it all uh, while working full time there, working, you know, 45 to 55 hours at the post office. And scratching every other daylight hour I could until I finally walked away in 2013. So it, was, it wasn't an easy road at all. Sure,
0: I, I know now I'm an employer. So so it means you you hired people. It means your business grew. So how many employees do you have, and how exactly did you grow your business?
1: Uh, yeah, great question. Um, I have two office admins. They are both part time. Otherwise, I could probably get by with one. I've got one college student and one semi-retired lady who helps us out. Um, And then I also have two full-time technicians and I have an apprentice right now who basically works full-time, but he's the first one that, you know, we lay off if things go slow or something, but he will probably be full-time by the end of the summer. So I've got got quite a crew here. And uh, honestly, as far as the growth goes, I kind of cheated. I started, QPC in 2009 and in 2010 there was a guy who had a local shop you know a local pest control company that got arrested and went away for some hard time and so uh, I got approached by his family to help them run their business and we did that for six months so I went straight to having 300 customers to service and uh, we, we, we had a, an arrangement worked out on, on how we split the money that came in Uh, And then July of that next year of 2010, I actually bought that from them. So that's how uh, that's we started growing just organically with that because we were doing a good job word of mouth. And then in 2013, what allowed me to actually walk away from the post office was another local company. Uh, The man who owned that passed away and he was a one man shop. So I contacted the family and ended up buying that that business as well from his family. I don't have the uh, the horror stories of trying to make it through the first winter with no customers. Uh, what I have is the horror story of trying to balance, you know, four to five hundred customers at one time when I got them basically all at one time. It you know what? It, it,
0: It's no small chore. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure it's it's any less difficult than starting from the ground up or starting with 500 customers at once. You know, um, it takes a special type of person to do either and so you shouldn't sell yourself short with that um, on that. Um, so you have a, a, a two to three technicians, a couple of admin yourself. What is a regular day like running your company?
1: It's it's different every day. Uh, you know, the, the bottom line is if, if it's going to get done, a lot of times it's going to get done by the person who doesn't want to do it, which is normally me. So. Our, our office admin do a good job of making sure that our, our technicians have services to do. Um, but I do all of the, uh, the, the wood destroying insect reports that we do. Um, I've got a couple of home inspectors that I work with exclusively. And, uh, you know, we might do anywhere from 225 to 300 uh, WDIs a year. And I do probably about 90% of those. One of my technicians is capable, but I would just rather him do the regular services. So I do that Uh, spring and summer uh, when the phone's ringing a lot, I'm tracking down most of the sales leads, following up on those, uh, closing a lot of those deals myself. And then uh, just anything else, you know, sitting down, paying the bills, making sure that we actually have work to do, troubleshooting problem accounts where the guys just can't seem to get them under control. Uh, You know, just kind of being the everyday fireman, putting out whatever fires that pop up.
0: That's a great story. So, um, otherwise, uh, what kind of success uh, did you achieve for your company in 2019 and how did you make it happen?
1: You know, the best thing that I can say is that uh, we had higher profit margins. Um, when, When I started, just like anybody else, we were just trying to scrap out all the customers we could. And we were doing that by trying to do good work and also being not necessarily the cheapest guy on the block, but one of the cheapest. And uh, over the years, I've gradually tried to raise that up. And uh, we have finally got to where we're not the most expensive in the area, but we're number two or three. And, uh, and we're slowly moving our current customers to those same rates. And uh, we're doing the same work. Um, we're not doing anything different we're just actually charging the correct amount now for what we were doing all this time. And that is helping out quite a bit. Uh, We've actually, uh, to gain the success in 2019 and 2018, we also cut off some territory. I listened to the podcast you did with Trey and I can kind of relate to him. We're not quite as rural as he is. We don't drive quite, we don't drive quite as far. But we actually log more miles. Uh, All of our vehicles get anywhere from thirty to forty thousand miles a year, and so we actually cut off some of those outlying areas in twenty eighteen, which really helped us in twenty
0: nineteen. I I think uh, you mentioned that that you you log thirty to forty thousand miles uh, per vehicle. I I'm pretty sure that's what my entire Manhattan operation does for the entire fleet seven vehicles. Okay. (laughs) Like <laughs> yeah, that that's crazy to think, you know you know how you know how many miles you could possibly drive in one vehicle it's insane right, and, um, right. it would be even less if we didn't have one guy coming from an hour and a half away. Uh, most of the guys have two oil changes a year. it's crazy, wow, yeah, some guys are one oil change every ten months and and that's at five thousand miles, you right. know, well the- I'll
1: put it to you this way, I filled up with gas this morning. About a 915 which today was just a little different. I had to go uh, help a family member with something, but I just filled up with the gas again at about 10 o'clock uh, before I jumped on the phone with you. So I burned an entire tank of fuel today. Yeah I,
0: I, I know you I know you have some habits of traveling like three hours each way for pesticides. are you still doing that?
1: Hey uh, well that trips about two and a half hours but uh, <laughs> now we don't we don't do that very often just just when we absolutely have to.
0: I totally understand. You know, sometimes you're in a pinch. That's why uh, that's one of the reasons why we stock up on pesticides and, and leave them. I, I understand there's always those times where, where you don't know what you're going to need and you just don't carry that item. But, sure. um, you know, we, we definitely stock them all. We have a whole, um, we have a whole, uh, shed full of, um, everything we can possibly need and our field manager meets with our guys, um, as often as they need, maybe average once a week or so, and depend. It depends what's going on.
1: Sure. Well, you know, we're we're trying to get to uh, some of those ways of thinking. I'm somewhere in between the one man shop and an actual small business, a small company. Uh, right. we, we still we still work out of my garage. Uh, we took in part of the garage to make an office, and my chemical storage is just a just a section of my garage that meets the state requirements. Right, and So, uh, you know, we, we don't have room. We don't have the luxury of stocking a lot of things unless I want to just start storing Christmas decorations outside. I don't think my right. wife would care for that too much.
0: Well, um, it, one thing you might want to consider when, um, especially if, if you grow a little bit more, is um, renting from a storage facility. You, you could probably get a closet. I, I don't know. I'm just going to make up a number, $150 a month, uh, maybe a 10 by 10, something like that um and you could have your pesticide distributor deliver directly there and you could have um you could have multiple units you could have them in, all over your territories like you could get them smaller i know a couple of um businesses out my way they have they have these little closet uh, style storage units and they have like six of them all over manhattan and every time technician needs something he goes there he um He picks up what he needs and he leaves his empties and their manager goes and refills them every couple of days. But that's what works for them. So, uh, you know, just something to consider. So anyway, um, 2019 um, seemed like a good year for you. Um, What are your goals for this year and how do you plan on meeting them?
1: Well, uh, the number one goal that I have just in in life overall, but specifically for QPC is just to reduce waste. You know, that, that windshield time that we're talking about, um, you know, driving that two and a half hours one way to get chemical there. That could have been avoided Uh, that particular time. It really, that fell on the chemical company's fault. Um, But, you know, that's not the only time we've had to do that. And sometimes it's just because, we don't get the order in in time to get it shipped out or delivered or, you know, we could have done it a day ahead. But we just try to wait till the day of that. We know he's going to make the deliveries and we miss him and right. I have to go and, and, and make that run anyway. So we can be better with things like that. Uh, windshield time in general, I'd like to reduce. Uh, we don't do any route optimization right now. Um, the, the The mantra that we've always kind of had as a company is the good old local boy that's here to do a good job for you and he'll come when you want him to. Right. And and we have to kind of get away from that. We're, we're slowly transitioning our customers into a new mindset, which is, Hey, we're going to call and tell you when we're coming rather than the other way around. And that's been a pretty hard sell for us up to this point, but we're, we're pretty stubborn about it and we're going to stick with it. And and things like that, that's really what we're looking for. You know, making sure we're not overbuying on product and just making sure we're, we're just not creating waste. You know, a, a dollar saved is a whole lot better than a dollar earned sometimes.
0: Uh, undoubtedly. And making, making money on purpose uh, requires a lot of uh, cutting down on waste and realizing exactly what your uh, overhead cost is so that you can set your hourly rate so that every single customer that you service can be profitable. Now, I understand that you have a lot of old customers and you're trying to bring them up there, so it's a little bit of a challenge. I'm going through something similar myself. Um, But it's a balancing act, and it never works out perfectly. But at the the end of the year, what you want is to hit your targets and to earn the salary that you desire, the salary that you need, and the profits that you desire and the profits that you want. So it looks like you're on your way there. Um, You and I... um, We met at a PJB business development workshop last March in Dallas. Um, What was the biggest nugget that you took away from PJB in Dallas?
1: Well, you know, honestly, I kind of left Dallas with my head spinning with uh, a handful of things that I've unknowingly done right. And a ton of things that I didn't even know I was supposed to be doing. And so, um, you know, uh, uh, Jackie and Betty Thornton are uh, good friends of mine, almost kind of a mentor mentee relationship. And uh, Miss Betty had told me uh, she went to the, the, the Vegas uh, meet and greet and, and met you guys there. And she said, Hey, you really need to consider coming. So that's why I went. So happy I did. And uh, really just kind of opened my eyes to all the things. I, I just, how they all work together everything from your marketing. To your sales, to the people on the phone, you know, having policies and procedures in place, you know, accountability, those kind of things. It just, it was really kind of overwhelming, honestly. And uh, you know, it, it was a good for me to kind of get a reality check on hey, you're. I was, I was kind of at the end of my personal road of of what I can handle, and trying to figure out what to do. And honestly, I, it wasn't a nugget; it was a gold mine. It was hey, it, you've got help, and you've got people who have been there and they can help you get on the right track. And, and not only that, here's step one, here's step two, here's step three. And so it was, I, I couldn't even pin down one specific thing. It was just, it was, it was all good.
0: You, you know what, you're, you're right about that. It, it, it wasn't a nugget, it was a gold mine. And that's, that's how all the PJB workshops are. And um, the reason why that is, is because you, you have dozens of uh, entrepreneurial minded folks in there sharing their secrets to success. Most coming from our industry, and, uh, and 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 that in itself is is invaluable because you know we're, people people who are supposed to technically be our competitors, whether they're direct or not, should not be sharing information with us. But everyone there is so selfless and willing because somebody helped them um, with this information and it worked for them, and everyone seems to share it openly. and And there's nothing like it, um, not, not in our industry at least. And, uh, you know, I'm so thankful for that. So between between the the new information uh, that you picked up from PJB in Dallas, meeting your goals in 2019 and on track to meet your goals in 2020, where exactly do you see uh, your company within the next five years?
1: Well, I think we'll continue to grow. Uh, We've got a really good growth track record. Uh, Now, and it is starting to kind of level out some, you know, we were we were growing, you know, 30 percent, 25 percent, 28 percent. You know, we've grown year to year and uh, that is starting to level out some. I think last year we're going to it ended up somewhere around 12 percent or so the year before was about 8 percent. And and I'm okay with that, because even though the growth isn't as fast, Uh, with the profit margins coming up, you know, it's steady growth rather than just explosive. Now I've never doubled or tripled or, you know, anything like that in one year, but it's really been overwhelming sometimes the way we grow because we we grow faster than we can handle our infrastructure wasn't there. And so five years from now, honestly, I just hope to be able to say, you know, Hey, we're, we're here at this level, whether it's a million or 750,000 a year in revenue, whatever it is, but we're geared up for 3 million in revenue or 5 million in revenue. And so I want to continue to grow the infrastructure so we can handle the growth that we attain. And the big thing for me, you know, I mean, kind of go to go full circle here. uh, I do enjoy working. Uh, If I didn't have a family, I would probably be a workaholic. I'm, I'm borderline there anyway, but I also like to play pretty hard and I would love to have a three and a half or a four day work week to where I actually have a day where I could just throw my phone on my desk and walk out and not not have to worry about being on the seventh hole and about to tee off and my phone rings. And I've got to leave because there's some issue that nobody else can handle. So we yep. just want to continue to grow and continue to provide stability within the business uh, to allow for those kind of things.
0: You're right. And uh, it's, it's very important to have uh, insight into the future to come up with goals and come up with plans. As uh, my original mentor um, had always told me that a failure, failure to plan is a plan for failure, meaning if you do not gear up for the future and what the future holds, you're never going to reach your goals and you're just going to remain stagnant or worse, you're going to fail. So um, looks, like, looks like you have a lot going on for yourself. Looks like you have um, some solid goals. I do, I do 100% agree um, with building that foundation, even if it's a million, that you, we'd be able to handle some immediate growth. Too. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize your company could operate at the same cost that, uh, for a million dollars in revenue as it could for $2 million in revenue. The difference between the two, um, if it's costing you the same, is the profit margin. So, um, as you grow, you you your routes tend to condense. Um, although your payroll will go up, you will see a lot of your your um, your standard expenses going down, and with that, you will you become a lot more profitable. And like you said. It's not that important to grow in revenue. It is important that you maintain your profit margins um, because if you're not making profit and you have a $5 million company, you're completely wasting your time. So that's, uh, so anyway, uh, before we wrap up uh, today's podcast, do you have any um, business advice that you would like to offer our audience?
1: You know, I've got two simple things that uh, one I did really well and one I wish I would have done better. I got kind of a late start on. Uh, Number one is just don't quit. Uh, Keep working at it. Keep chipping away day by day. Every day that you wake up is a new day. Just go and attack it. Um, Number two is when you work for yourself, that means you've got to take care of yourself now and later. So take care of yourself physically, mentally, and financially. So the physical part is pretty easy with what we do because there are some physical aspects to it. The mental part, get the sleep you actually need. Pick up a book every now and then and read it. And the financial, start planning for your retirement today. Uh, Don't be one of those guys that has to work until he's 80. Now, if you want to work till you're 80, that's great. But don't be one of those guys working to pay his bills every month when you're 65, 75, 85 years old.
0: It's true. I, I would say about 99% of this country doesn't plan for retirement. And, and it's kind of it's kind of insane.
1: Yeah, um, you got to You got to be thinking ahead.
0: Yeah. And um, if you listen to the podcast that I did with Marlon Voss, um, you, you know, um, it, I touch on, uh, you know, how to plan for retirement. Um, I, I, I didn't really go into detail, but listen to it. And if you have any questions, feel free to um, contact me, um, you know, and we'll discuss. Otherwise, um, you know, unless you have anything left to leave our audience off with, um, we'll get ready to wrap up this uh, episode.
1: No, I think it was great. Glad you're doing it. I love these 30, 40 minute podcasts. They're easy to consume and good information and all the one or the two I've listened to so far. Thank you very much.
0: And uh, this wraps up today's podcast with uh, Daniel Neighbors. Thanks again for joining us and best of luck meeting all of your business goals in 2020. Have a good night. Have a good night, Daniel.
1: All right. You too, Josh. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye.